Hallelujah. Amen. What a great, great promise we have today. Laying in the Word of God. The truths that are there to liberate us and cause us so that we can go free. Amen. God bless you. It's good to be in the house of the Lord this morning. It's hearing that song saying a moment ago, you'll take us to the fire again. I thought about the many fires that we have been through, situations that we have come through, and it's been God's amazing grace. He's been with us all along the way, and we thank Him for it. With that in mind, I just want to say thank you for the uh, wonderful banquet that celebrated our 50 years at Evening Light Tabernacle. We did last Saturday night, and, and uh, also we had Friday night for the young people, and was a great time together and uh, you know my heart was warmed with so many wonderful memories as we have journeyed together and as we have journeyed together you know we have just this one here come and joined us in our walk and this one and this one and this one to each one or where we are today and I appreciate all the cards with your kind thoughts and some contain gifts I thank you for all of that Evening Light Tabernacle, you've grown into a mighty oak under whose branches the weary, the lost, the sick, the dying can come and take and find refuge. Amen. God bless you. We appreciate you today. Let's talk to the Lord. Maybe you've got a need in your heart, in your life that you would just like to say, Lord, speak to me in a special way today. Lord Jesus, we are here gathered in your name and we're just asking your blessings upon us now as we look into the Word of God. We hear the Word, a promise that says we can go free. Lord, that there is no need to remain bound in our unbelief, in our, in our darkness, or our confusion, or out in our sins. But Lord, we can go free. We can be un, uninhibited by all of the troubles of life we can overcome the scars along the journey that we have experienced we can rise above the bitterness and the disappointments of life because we can go free and i'm asking lord that you would anoint us today anoint us by your spirit anoint the word lord as it goes forth anoint hearts and lives to believe your promise Lord, as we look into the Word, I pray that you'd anoint it. But Lord, anoint me too, Father. And yet it would not be complete without you anointing this audience. May, Lord, we be anointed together. And Brother Aaron, who's out ministering down in Florida, Brother Stevens, I pray that you'll bless him in a mighty way in those services there. Lord, the needs of your children everywhere around the world, those that are struggling down in the Ukraine, and Lord, the believers that have fled to Poland and trying to find refuge there, and the different ones, Lord. May, oh God, they come to trust under the shadows of your wings today. Lord, we're under the feathers of your wings. There's no bombs can strike, nothing can destroy. Lord, even, even if a bomb would, it would only usher us right into the glories of God. I pray now, Father, that you'll bless your people, the people that are around the world today, those that are listening in, that are part of this service today. 
Bless them in a mighty way, we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. God bless you. Turn with me to Genesis chapter 17. We're going to read from the first verse. We welcome each one of you today in the name of the Lord Jesus. Those of you that are visitors here with us today, we're happy to have you. Those of you that, you know, you're... you're adjustment there, huh? Okay, well, God bless you. Amen. We're alive. How many feel alive now? All right, well, let's just respond to the things of God today. Let's turn to, as I said, to Genesis 17. We'll read from verse 1. And when Abram was 90 years old and nine, the Lord appeared to Abram and said unto him, I am the almighty God. Walk before me and be thou perfect. And I will make my covenant between me and thee and will multiply thee exceedingly. And Abram fell on his face and God talked with him saying, As for me, behold, my covenant is with thee and thou shalt be a father of many nations. Neither shalt thy name any more be called Abram, but thy name shall be Abraham. For a father of many nations have I made thee. And I will make thee exceeding fruitful, and I will make nations of thee, and kings shall come out of thee. And I will establish my covenant between me and thee, and thy seed after thee and their generations for an everlasting covenant to be a God unto thee and to thy seed after thee. And I will give unto thee and to thy seed after thee the land wherein thou art a stranger." all the land of Canaan for an everlasting possession, and I will be their God. And God said unto Abraham, Thou shalt keep my covenant, therefore thou and thy seed after thee and their generations. This is my covenant which ye shall keep between me and you and thy seed even after thee every man child among you shall be circumcised and you shall circumcise the flesh of your foreskin and it shall be a token of the covenant betwixt me and you and he that is 88 days old shall be circumcised among you every man child in your generations he that is born in the house are bought with money of a stranger which is not thy seed he that is born in thy house and he that is bought with thy money must needs be circumcised, and my covenant shall be in your flesh for an everlasting covenant. And the uncircumcised man-child whose flesh of his foreskin is not circumcised, that soul shall be cut off from his people. He hath broken my covenant. And God said unto Abraham, as for Sarah thy wife, thou shalt not call her name Sarai, but Sarah shall her name be. And I will bless her and give thee a son also of her. Yea, I will bless her and she shall be a mother of nations. Kings of people shall be of her. Then Abraham fell upon his face and laughed and said in his heart, Shall a child be born unto him that is a hundred years old? And shall Sarah that is ninety years old bear? And Abraham said unto God, Oh, that Ishmael might live before thee. And God said, Sarah, thy wife shall bear thee a son indeed, and thou shalt call his name Isaac. 
and I will establish my covenant with him for an everlasting covenant and with his seed after him. And as for Ishmael, I have heard thee. Behold, I have blessed him and will make him fruitful and will multiply him exceedingly. Twelve princes shall he beget, and I will make him a great nation. But my covenant will I establish with Isaac, which Sarah shall bear unto thee at this set time in the next year. And he left off talking with him, and God went up from Abraham. May God bless you. You can be seated. Amen. Thank you, Brother Johnny. God bless you, church, today as we look into the promises of the word of the Lord. And you know, I was speaking in my last sermon here, which was a couple of weeks ago, about this being the age of Pentecost. And I was re- speaking of the returning to the original grain as it was on the day of Pentecost. You know, God planted a seed there at Pentecost, and he's bringing forth a harvest in this last day. Now, I was not speaking of Azusa Street, um, Brother Branham has said of them, but this is another age. This is a calling out of the bride, not 2,000 years ago at Pentecost or the repeat or the return. And then he would say, this is not the day of Pentecost. The Pentecostal age is past. Pentecost is gone. This is a harvest time. And, and again, in the church age book, he would, he would give this thought. The Lutheran age was springtime. The Westland age was the summer of growth. The Laodicean age is the harvest of the, and the gathering of tares for the burning and binding and burning and the garnering of the wheat for the Lord. So if you'll notice in this last age, there is a, there is a gathering that takes place a harvest time. And we are in a very great harvest season right now as um, everything comes to its height. Um, you see sin reaching its height. It does it like it did also in the book of Genesis in Abraham's time where that the sins of Sodom reached its height until God heard it in the heavens. And we, we know again in the book of Revelation that the sins again reach until the, the, the um, sins are heard in the heavens. And so, you see, everything comes to its harvest season. And in this harvest season, um, you know, there is the gathering. It will be the gathering of the tares. Jesus would use this um, parable because it would be uh, uh, the wheat sowed, the grain sowed, the good seed by the Son of Man. And then there would be the tares that would be sown by the wicked one. And so there would be a binding and a burning of the tares and then a garnering of the wheat into the, uh, for the Lord. So as you, as you look at this, a garnering simply means to gather into the barn. And, and so it, it speaks of a, a rapture. It's not a planting time again, but it is a harvest time where it's carried into the barn. So it's not a receding. So, you know, we, we would see the different things. For example, um, you, you see the dying of Luther as the life would move from the, from the stalk into the tassel. The dying of Luther brought forth Wesley. And then the dying of Wesley brought forth 
um, the Azusa movement. And then the, the dying of the Azusa movement brings forth the message now. All the life goes into the grain for the harvest. This is a time where, where um, you know, where that everything reaches its place of maturity. But being, you know, that being said, don't forget what the church had at Pentecost is her inalienable right. Originally, she had the pure word of God and she had the power of the spirit manifested in diverse signs and wonders and gifts of the spirit. And that is our inalienable rights. And so that's what the church was at Pentecost is the standard. So that is the pattern. There is no other pattern. No matter what scholars say, God has not changed that pattern. What God did at Pentecost, he has to keep on doing until the church age is in. And those scholars may tell you that the apostolic age is over. Don't you ever believe it. Amen. This is a point that Brother Branham would defend over and over and over again that um, the apostolic age was continuing on and would never cease until the last one was saved. And, and so Mark 16 would still be in effect. These signs will follow them that believe. So again, you know, we, we're at a time where all of the types are being fulfilled. Even, even what happened on the day of Pentecost 2,000 years ago was projecting of another Pentecost. And we're not referring to, to Azusa Street, where we're referring to this last day move of God. And remember, in that day, the day of Pentecost had fully come, and that meant that the seven weeks from the Passover had been fulfilled, and now it had fully come. The Feast of Weeks had given away and from, from the 49th day into the 50th, which was Pentecost, and when the day of Pentecost fully came, the, the Spirit of God came down from heaven with a mighty rushing wind. And there it filled the house where they were sitting and, and uh, they were filled with the Holy Ghost. And there the, the pillar of fire would give birth as cloven tongues like fire would come. And now it wasn't just the fullness of God in the man Christ Jesus, but now his fullness would be experienced in a bride body. And so again, you know, we are, we're now aware that the day of Pentecost has fully come. We have come through seven weeks or seven church ages. And we are now here at the fulfillment of all the scriptures that have been pointing to this time. So again, again, now the day of Pentecost has truly fully come. And it comes with a harvest again. It comes with the waving of a sheaf. It comes with a celebration of, uh, of, the, of what God has done in his, in his stages of redemption. So again, this is where we are here now at the final jubilee. It is where that God empties out his spirit and pours it out upon all flesh. Now, as we are seeing this, the, the day of Pentecost, Brother Branham would say, the Spirit of God directed into that, Joel 2, 28. And the day of Luther directed into that, which was justification. And Wesley uh, directed into the holiness movement. We'll speak about that here in a moment. But this is another age. This is the calling out of the bride. 
Amen. Not 2,000 years ago at Pentecost or the repeat or even the returns. You see, we're not repeating Pentecost of 2,000 years ago because that was the church being planted as a corn of wheat and it would go down through persecution and dying out through the dark ages and would come up again with with Luther there uh, like a blade of wheat. Doesn't look nothing like the grain. Doesn't look like the seed that was, but it was still the, the life that was in the grain now manifested in another form. It's not ready for the harvest. It's a young, tender blade. And, it, you know, if you, if you cut it now, if you harvest it now, you just got hay. Right? Amen. You don't have the original grain again. But again, it keeps on moving from that. And it progresses until it becomes like, like the growth of the wheat. And we'll read the Bible for this in a moment. But, you know, like the growth of the wheat, it'll come into the next stage from the blade to the tassel which would be John Wesley and the moving of the Holy Spirit of God uh, again in the, the Methodist revival and the, and, the, and the holiness revival. It was branched out into the Nazarenes and the pilgrim holiness and, and other, other moves of God. And, and then, and then that, that would again, you know, the life would leave that and be pushed on into, the, into another stage. And that other stage would be a shuck and that shuck would look exactly like the original grain but it wasn't grain it's kind of like going out and, and harvesting your sweet corn and you see it it's got a it's got a beautiful ear of corn and, and you go and you pull it back and all you've got is little bitty tiny grains that you can't eat a white cob right it's not harvest time amen but it, it looks it looks like it looks like it would have grain in it, but it doesn't have grain yet. Then it puts on the full ear. So you see, we are not repeating Pentecost for 2,000 years ago because thank God we're not going to be planted and we're not going to go to 2,000 more years of church ages. Amen. You know, the weeks are over. Here the types have run out. So you see, we, we again, we're not repeating that because this is where it is a harvest time and it goes into the garner of the, the storehouse. And I want to say, neither are we trying to, uh, are attempting to try to reproduce a Sousa Street movement because they were the shock. Now, so again, it wasn't a rapture age, but we are in a rapture age. This is the age of the fulfillment of all scriptures. And so it's very important for us to understand, you know, again, where we are in time and what God is doing in this hour to be a part of the move of God, not not in the dry, dead parts of the plant before, though God used to move there. But God's not moving there. He has advanced beyond that. Now, so the church has come up like a grain of wheat planted on the day of Pentecost and is now back to the grain again and this time to be taken into the garner or be raptured. Now, so the, the kingdom of God is like a seed, Jesus said. Now you say, well, Brother Tim, I need scripture for where you're placing this. Well, I'll, I'll just go to Mark chapter 4 and verse 26 and we're going to read this together today and he said so is the kingdom of God as if a man should cast seed into the ground 
and he should sleep and should rise day and night and the seed should spring and grow up. He knoweth not how. For the earth bringeth forth fruit of herself. First the blade, then the ear, and after that the full corn in the ear. But when the fruit is brought forth immediately, he putteth in the sickle because harvest is come. So you see, when it comes back to grain again, you know it's harvest time. You know the sickle is about to be put in the field and there's going to be a reaping. You see, whatever was sowed has got to be reaped. So the sins that were sowed before and the sins of Sodom reaps a Sodom harvest. Amen. This is why that we are seeing this is because the seeds were sown. And yet, yet again, when you, when you look and you see the other, other things coming up, the tares among the wheat, then, you know, the wheat had to, uh, or the, the tare had to grow until the harvest time. And then in the harvest time, there would come a separation. So we're in a time where God is separating a people to himself back to the word again. That's why we're here this morning. So the Bible is saying, Jesus said, it comes to the seed, the blade, the ear, the full corn in the ear. Now that's where the full word is born into manifestation. You see, we, we've had a Bible now that has been given to us um, since the days of Luther. You say, since the days of Luther? Yes, before that, they were in the cloisters of Rome and nobody got to read a Bible. Nobody had the word of God. And if they did, you had to be trained in either Greek or it was translated into Latin. So if you didn't know Greek or Latin, you were still, you know, out. You can look at the words, but you don't know what they mean. But then Luther would bring us a Bible, and we've had the Bible now for years. But because of the lack of the word being there, then all kinds of misconceptions had come and clouded over the word. And many of these traditions were brought, off, brought over from Rome where they had extinguished the word of God. The Bible, the Bible is not even known among the people. And so they, they had kept the truth up down and they, it was now whatever the church said and whatever the church believed and whatever the church wanted you to believe. So again, you know, God would start a process of restoration. And I'm trying to make this just as simple as I know how for every person here. But now, so this, it comes finally to where the full word, as it comes partially revealed back in Luther with Wesley and then Azusa Street, but there has to come a time where the full word of God is born into manifestation. Now, it'll be out of this full word that full sons come. Amen. Amen. That adopted son, men who know their God come out of that full word. They're born of that word. It's not a partial truth. It's the whole truth. Amen. And it comes down to full redemption. This is what seven angels in the cloud represented there, that all the seven ages were finished and the full word of God was being revealed. Amen. Because now we don't have just one age. We have every truth of the ages coming down into a single message. As Brother Branham would often say, I'm, I'm, I'm taking and I'm, I'm, I'm tying the loose ends together. 
this thread of truth that Luther had and the thread that Wesley had, the thread that Azusa Street had, the thread that all these others had, and I'm taking all these strands of truth and I'm weaving them into one message. Amen. So you can have the full word of God. And out of that full word of God would be a, a people that would be born of that word. Amen. Amen. A people who would know their God. Amen. Know his truth. Know him in all of his reality. Amen. And those people would do exploits. Now, I've come to that point right there for us to go back to the life of Abraham for a moment. And I'm going to just use some of that this morning. I don't know how much I'll get to this today, but we'll just follow as the Holy Spirit moves. But I want to come back to the prophecy of Abraham. You say prophecy of Abraham? Yes. It is prophetical. It's more than a book of history. It's more than just, um, you know, the, the father of the Jews. Abraham is our father. And I want you to know he is our father because from him came Christ, the royal seed, and out of him we are born. So we who were outside of that covenant have received another covenant. And we have been brought into a covenant with Christ. Now, when we look back here, we are looking at a man that is absolutely in his life prophesying our day, our hour, our time. And this is why Brother Branham would often go in his sermons to, to, the, to Abraham over and over and over again because Abraham was speaking of us. As he said in Christ, the mystery of God revealed, he said, these men were prophesying. Now, they didn't know they were prophesying. You know, Abraham didn't say, now, I tell you what I'm going to do. I'm going to go up and offer my son Isaac because I'm prophesying that there's a seed coming. And, and so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go through this act and I'm going to pretend that there was no pretending. You see, Abraham was told to do something because he would be prophesying now Are you with me? He'd be prophesying about the coming of the seed. And and so it it would be Abraham that God would use to foreshadow you coming. You had to be written in the Bible. And you're going to have to see the Bible is more than just a book. You've got to see it as prophesying of you. Amen. You know, you'll never get healed unless you see the word is personally talking to you. We can preach it all you want to, but until it becomes your personal revelation, your faith will never be elevated to receive it. But it's got to be brought to where that you see yourself in the promise. Now, so coming back to the prophecy of Abraham, he actually comes through different stations where he experienced God and as he journeyed, as he walked through the promised land. Now, as God dealt with Abraham, so does he deal with his seed and we are Abraham's seed. Now, let's establish that because what does this have to do, what I read about Abraham, have to do with us today? Well, let's look in the Bible and see what it has to do. Galatians chapter three and verse 16 Now, to Abraham and his seed were the promises made. So I want you to get it. To Abraham and his seed. 
Say it with me. Abraham and his seed. All right, it wasn't just given to Abraham. It's given to Abraham and his seed. All right. He saith not unto seeds. Plural. He didn't say I'm giving to Abraham and his seeds as a many, but as a one, and to that seed, which is Christ. So all the promises were speaking of Christ. Amen. Now, if you're not born of Christ, you're not going to be a recipient of Abraham's promises. Now then, let's look at down at verse 29. And if you be Christ, how many belong to Christ? Then you are Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. So now if you belong to Christ, you're Abraham's seed. You can look at your neighbor and say, I'm seed of Abraham. Amen. So because of being Abraham's seed, I'm heirs to the promise. Amen. I am heirs to everything that Abraham had. So when we look back at Abraham, he is prophesying of his seed and the blessing that will come on his seed. Now, first of all, Abram was found by God in the era of the Chaldea, uh, in era of Chaldea, a Gentile. He was a heathen, a worshiper of idols. And I want you to get this. God sought him out. He was like everybody else. A worldly sinner bound for hell like everybody else. But God sought him out. Hallelujah. That ought to make you shout this morning. Amen. It wasn't nothing he did. It wasn't how good he was. Amen. It was God called him. God predestinated him. God ordained him. Hallelujah. Amen. God sought him. God called him. I want you to know salvation is of the Lord. It ain't out of you. It ain't your desire. It ain't your good work. It is God that drawed you. It is God that called you. It's God that predestinated you. It's God that said, I'll have a rapture for you. I need a little more sound up here. Now, Abram was found by God a Gentile, heathen. He didn't know how to worship. He didn't know how many gods there were. There were multiple gods. There was idol, idolatry, everything else. He was a man just like the others going about his business. And one day God appeared to him. Sometimes it takes a long time for God to appear to him. Sometimes a man can be up in his 80s before God appears to him. But God appears. He's not going to lose one of his own. Amen. It might have been. Are you with me now? You may have been going a long, a long time and and seem like it's been a real drought. But let me tell you, God will appear. And then I want you to notice in chapter 12 and verse 1. The Lord had said to Abraham, get thee out of thy country and from thy kindred 
and from thy father's house unto the land that I will show you. Now, if you're going, if you, you see, I've called you, but I've not called you to remain where you are. I have not called you to remain in your sins. I have not called you to remain a heathen. I have not called you to, to, to still be in idolatry and worship other idols or idols. I didn't call you to stay where you're at. God, if you don't get anything out of this service today, but this, God has not called you for you to stay where you're at. You cannot remain where you are. There has to be a growth in your life. There has to be a progression in your life. And many of you have become squatters where you're at. And you know what Abraham did, or Abram did, when he left him there? He, he took, a, took along Lot, his brother, and his brother's son, and Terah, his, his father, and brought, them, and brought them along with them. God didn't tell them to come. He told Abram to come. He said, leave that. Listen, you see, you've got to leave friends behind. You've got to leave family behind. You've got to leave everything behind. You're going to follow the Lord. You can't, you can't let it try to bring all that with you. People want to serve God and hang on to their old things. You can't do it. It's, you know, God's word calls for a total separation from unbelief. Now, so he would say in, in Genesis 13, 7, arise and walk. Two commands, arise and walk. You know, some of you got to get up from where you're at. You've been there in that place way too long. You've been in that sin. You've been in that wickedness. You've been in that unbelief. The first thing, the first step is get up. Arise up out of there. You say, well, I can't do it. Well, he said you could do it. If God said, arise, then God provides the grace and the power for you to arise. And then he said, walk. Put a foot in front of you. And walk through the land. Look, I've given you a land. I've given you promises. But I want you to start walking through these promises. I want you to see what you're, what you're inheriting. I'm going to give you something. In there is healing. In there is miracles. In there is salvation. In there is your children. In there is abundance. In there is blessings. In there is everything. But I want you to get out and walk through this land claim every bit of it as your own so you don't yet see it, though you don't say I've got victory over that yet, you go to claiming that victory you say I haven't seen that healing yet, you go to claiming that healing, I haven't seen my children come back, you go to claiming those children you've got to walk through the land you've got to go into the promises look in the scripture is speaking about you. Amen. It's to Abraham. I'm giving these promises. So walk through the land. Genesis 13, 17. 
walked, arise, walked through the land in the length of it, the breadth of it, for I will give it unto thee. I will give it. You're not going to have to work for it. It's all going to be by grace. My favor. My favor. I want you to get that thought. My favor. My grace is great upon you. You are highly favored of the Lord. Now we got to walk through the land of God's promises and see what's in it. We got to experience the wonders of it. And in every place, dig a well and build an altar. Hallelujah. In every place, are you with me? You dig a well and you build an altar. Amen. Why, why the well? You gotta have the water of the Spirit. You gotta have the Holy Ghost moving upon you. You gotta have a refreshing from the presence of the Lord. And that will cause you to build an altar and worship God. Now, but don't stop there. These are stations. There's more of the land to discover. Now, I want you just to see for a moment as we type this and we look at it with the church progression. Now remember, parallel the thought of a wheat plant along with the thought of Abraham and his stations along with the restoration of the church. And the church will come like a wheat plant out of, out of death into life. It'll come and it'll progress. Now, he will show you these things. Now watch. You got to keep walking. Whatever you do, don't stop where you're at. In fact, of the matter is, you walk until your body is changed. And until you've reached that, you've got another step to take. That puts everybody in the same place today. You've got to take another step. Amen. I don't care how long you've been a Christian. Amen. I, I don't care how many merits that we can put on the board for you and awards we can give you. I want you to understand something real clear. You have not arrived and you must keep going. And if you got here, it was by grace and grace will give you the power to take another step. Some people just need to take the step of repentance. Another might need the step of baptism in his name. There's only one name that you can be saved. And that's the name of Jesus Christ. Baptism is a part of salvation, so you must be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for remission of sin. And you shall receive. So there's a progression after that. Now, Look here in Micah chapter 6 and verse 8. Micah 6 and 8. He has showed you, O man, what is good and what the Lord doth require of thee. 
How many wants to know what he wants? Or to act justly and to love mercy and to walk humbly before your God. So this is what God requires of every man. Walk humbly before me. This is where he calls Abraham. Walk humbly. Walk before me and be thou perfect. So, so again, he would say this in Genesis 17, 1, walk before me and be thou perfect. Amen. So God is calling you to perfection. Amen. He calls you to adoption, to the change of your body. He calls you to a resurrection. He calls you. That's what I'm saying. He is calling for you. Take another step. Now, oh, to be a man that God walks with. He said, walk before me and be thou perfect. Oh, to be a man that God walks with. It's more than a song. He walks with me and he talks with me and he tells me that I'm his own. God wants somebody to walk with him. And he's calling you, come walk through the promises of this land. Discover everything that I got. Amen. I'm giving you the complete land. Listen, Philistines may be living there now. Giants may be on this portion. Amen. Enemies over here and there and adversaries here and there. It doesn't matter. I gave it to you. You say, Brother Tim, I'm sick. God gave you healing. But there's devils on that promise. And they're howling at you trying to keep you off of them. But I want you to know, I want you to know that if God called you to that mountain, you can take that mountain. If God gave you a promise, it is your promise. Amen. And you must look at it as my promise, my word, and I will not be defeated. I will accept what God said about me. By his stripes, I am healed. I will believe his report and no other. Because his arm is only revealed to those who believe his report. And when you do this, this works righteousness. A Christian life is a journey. It is not just one step. You've got to keep walking. Enoch walked with God. That's progression. Enoch walked with God and then he was no more because God took him away. He raptured him. Enoch walked with God to the rapture. He progressed. Amen. You said, Brother Tim, now you've been preaching 52 years. I've got another step to take. I cannot rest on my laurels or my accomplishments or what I did in the past. Amen. I must press for the mark, for the pride of the high calling. I must never give up. Amen. You see, because I cannot do it until God takes me away. And neither can you. Now, this kind of walking is a person who's moving forward and it's one step at a time. Some are little steps. Some are giant steps, but they're all steps. But this person moving forward is consumed with the journey itself. And it was so consumed. Think about it. Walking with God. 
The Bible said he walked with God and was not. So he was so consumed with his companion, God being his companion on the journey, he didn't even question where they were going. You know, many times we get in a situation, well, God, where are we going? What are we going to do? I've done that. I guarantee you, since Sister Karen Pastor was away, I said, well, what now, Lord? Where, where do you want me to go? What to do? You know, how, where, why am I here? How come this is happening? Why is this like this? Amen. Enoch didn't question. He, he just walked with God. Amen. Wherever you're leading me, I'm going to follow. I don't question where you're leading me. Amen. I just trust. You brought me here for a reason. You say, but Brother Tim, in this place, I'm out in sickness. He brought you here for a reason. And here is a challenge. God brought you here for a reason. You are here for a purpose. God has brought, listen, God is not the author of frustration. He is the author of peace. And so he brings you to a place for a reason where that you can know God in a greater way than you ever know him. You would never know him as a cancer defeater if you never had cancer. You'll ne- and the church here will never know him as a cancer defeater. You know, unless we face cancer and defeated it, and we have, and we will again. I said we will again. Because the angel in charge said nothing would stand against our prayers, not even cancer. So we will again. Enoch is so consumed with his companion, just in love with the Lord. Along the journey, don't question, why me, Lord? How come I'm in this place? Why why did this happen to me? Oh, woe is me. Oh, you know, God doesn't love me. It didn't happen. None None of that come on him. He walked with God. He didn't question Don't question where you're at. Just look around and see God's there. Grace will never bring you to a place that grace cannot keep you. So he says he he is is every step now. He's drawing closer and closer with God. And God's saying, walk with me. Walk deeply with me. Let me permeate every part of who you are and let's go somewhere together. Along the way, we'll talk. We'll have joyful times and laugh together. God's got emotions. The Bible said that God laughs. The Bible said that God cries. The Bible, come on somebody. The Bible talks about God. He's not a, 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 an emotionless spirit there. He's God. And he has, he, he, when he became a man, he could weep. They went with, the, with the, those that had lost a loved one. He could, he could rejoice with those. He could shout. Amen. He could lift up his voice. Right. Come on, church. Amen. This is God. Yeah. And as we go along, we laugh together. We cry together. And, but with each step, we have faith that God is taking us to the place he wants us to be. Amen. And one day... We'll walk all the way to his house. 
till you're there. That's the time you can rest. That's the time you can quit walking. So as you walk, you come to different places in your journey. Are different stages in life or your Christian experience. And we'll call these stages or places, as I said, Abraham would come there and he'd build an altar. Call on the name of the Lord. God would be revealed to him in a special way. So you come to different stages or places in your journey, your Christian journey. And we'll call the stages of the church and even your individual stage justification where sins are forgiven. Sanctification, that's the cleansing from evil habits. And then the baptism of the Holy Ghost where God comes to dwell in you. And you keep on walking right onto the resurrection or the body change. Now the divine call, it was not Abraham seeking God, but it was God calling man, God seeking man. It had nothing to do with him being more worthier than anyone else. Let's go back into verse 2 of chapter 12 of Genesis. And I want you to watch these four words. And I will make. I want you to see again. This is not your own efforts. This is God doing something in your life. I am going to do this. You see, I will make of thee a great nation. And I will bless thee. I hope you're reading these as your own. Amen. And he said, and I will make thy name great, and thou shalt be a blessing. And I will bless them that bless thee, and curse him that curses thee, and in thee shall all the families of the earth be blessed. Now this is given to Abraham. It was a sovereign call. You see, no man seeketh after God. No, not one, the Bible says. God seeking after man. Abraham is not justified by works, but by his faith. You see, you can never be good enough to to deserve or receive anything from God. Never. It is never, I, I mean, you say, well, you know, this happened to me and I've been a faithful Christian. You see, it has nothing to do with how long you've been a Christian. It has everything to do with you believing. If whatever he can get you to believe, that's yours. That's why the discernment gift was given. We would go back in a life with Brother Branham and he could tell somebody what happened 40 years ago and their street address and their, and their problem and what the doctor said, describe the doctor and everything else. He, he said it was like, like taking a, 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 a musical instrument, like a guitar, and tuning the string. You heard the other day when, when Brother Wendell sang while he strummed his guitar and there's, there's something out of tune. Well, it isn't that there isn't a string. It isn't that it isn't a guitar. It isn't that you're not a Christian. It isn't that you don't have faith. Your faith's just out of tune. And it won't reach the melody and the harmony that matches God's word. So what did he do? He took the little key there and he twisted it around until that matched the note for the song. And there 
are scriptures laying in the word of God and you may be a Christian, you may have faith, you got the guitar, you got the string, but you see, you need a tuning up until what you are saying matches what's on God's word. Amen, because you got the, you got the music sheet and it says this certain note for this certain place. And so you've got to tune it where that it matches. Are you with me? That's what God's had to do with our faith. Amen. We are going through things because God is tuning our faith. Your faith has been way down here and it's just totally out of tune. You can never match the promise of the word of God. The author put it here in the Bible and we, our faith has got to match it. That's what Malachi 4 was to do. It was to lift your faith another level <laughs> to rapture faith. Amen. Hallelujah. Now, so it's God's sovereign call. And Abraham was not justified by his works, but by his faith. As I said, you cannot be good enough to deserve anything from God. Well, I'll become a Christian when I get good enough. No, that's not how you come. You come to God just as you are, but not to stay as you are. A lot of people sang just as I am and said, God, you just got to take me just the way I am because that's just me and that's just the way I'm going to be. So if you want me, God, come get me. But I want you to understand you're taking me just as I am. I, I'm not going to change. I'm still going to have my liquor. I'm still going to have my beers. I'm still going to have my worldly friends. I'm still going to. I'm still going to listen to worldly music. I'm still going to do whatever I want to do. Because God, you're taking me just as I am. That's not what that means. It means that I am undeserving of life. I'm undeserving of salvation. I'm in this pitiful condition and I can't help myself. But I'm coming as a sinner just as I am. And I don't have one plea of my own righteousness or goodness or deserving anything. But just this one plea that your blood was shed for me. Now, So you see in Romans chapter four and verse two, if Abraham was justified, when you see that word justified, you have to think what that means. It means made righteous. So when we say in justification, we mean that it was there God made you righteous. Didn't say you were righteous, God made you that way. He made you that way by his blood being shed in your place and his, your, your sins, your sins were exchanged for his righteousness. Now, if, if Abraham was justified by works, if he was made righteous by works, he had whereof to glory, but not before God. For what saith the scripture, Abraham believed God and it was counted unto him for righteousness. So you see, the way that we get righteous is through our faith. Believing God. 
It's not our, it's not our works. If we're made righteous by our works, we did good deeds. I carried sweet potato to the widow. I, uh, I helped the, uh, the you know, I, I donated to the fund for Ukraine war. And I've done this and I, you're not saved by none of that. You're not saved by Hail Marys and, and, and the penance. And that, that's not salvation. Amen. It is not works that you do. You come to God just as you are. I'm a sinner. I need a Savior. Nobody can be saved until they first realize I'm lost. You can never save a man who thinks he knows where he's at. He's got to realize I'm lost. And I can't find my way out. Now, I'm, I'm, op- I'm oversimplifying this for everybody. But watch, none of our good deeds can earn us a place in heaven. Well, I, kept, I took care of my mother, and she was a saint, and I know she went to heaven, and I did good to her. You cannot earn a place in heaven. Well, I, 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 I give so much money to the poor all the time. I, I've fed strangers. I've done that. You cannot earn a place in heaven. I went to church every Sunday and Wednesday for 50 years. You cannot earn a place in heaven. I paid my tithe. I've done this. I've done, I've done that. You cannot earn a place. It's all the favor of God. So none of our good deeds can earn us a place in heaven. We're not saved because we go to church. You're not saved because you dress holy. My skirt has never been above my knees in my life. I don't wear this. I don't wear that. I haven't put on makeup. I don't, I don't cut my hair. I don't do this. I don't. You are not saved because you dress holy. Or because we give to the poor, tithe of our income. We are saved by grace through faith. We are required to believe and accept God's pardon from our sins. Nobody can be forgiven unless they accept forgiveness. And some of you just simply need to forgive yourself. Amen. Yeah, you've been stupid. You've been a human. That's why you've been stupid. You've done stupid things. You've made awful mistakes. All the woulda, coulda, shoulda won't turn it around. You've got to start right there accepting God's pardon. I am forgiven. There are too many Christians that are going around beat down and everything else because of their past. Amen. You will never, ever achieve the things of God until you first accept God's pardon. I am not a sinner. I am not. That is not my sins. They are washed in the blood of Jesus. I have been cleansed. I've accepted his pardon. I am forgiven. I don't have to hold my head down the rest of my life beat down because of something horrible in my past. A lot of people say, Brother Tim, the devil said to me, well, first of all, why are you listening to him? 
Shut his mouth up right now. If you recognize it's the devil, then go ahead and just turn it off. Well, the devil said to me, he reminded me of my past. He don't have too good a past either. And all you got to do is remind him of his past. But I got a secret for you. The devil don't have a future and you do. people with a future. God has a plan for you. He said, my plan for you, my plan for you is to give you peace and not evil, to bring you to an expected place. Hallelujah, to bring you all the way into where that you, 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 you drink of the waters of life freely. Tell Shaddai. Probably never reached this today. I'm just going to take my time. Our deeds cannot earn us. David said in Romans 4 and 6, David is quoted, that David describeth the man, the blessedness of a man, a man is blessed, unto whom God imputeth righteousness without works. We are blessed because God imputeth righteousness Without works, I didn't do nothing to deserve it. Saying, blessed are they whose iniquities are forgiven. You know, does anybody know what iniquities is? Iniquities is when I do something I knew better than to do. And he said, what did he say? His iniquities are forgiven and whose sins are what? Well, this was in David's time, and they had the blood of bulls and goats that could only cover sin. You got a greater blood, and that blood does not cover sin. Watch this for a moment. If I if I would take and and I would and I would put a mark on the, the white part of this pulpit, and then I would come along and I would paint over it with white again. Oh wow, the pulpit's made new. But behind that fresh paint is my old mark stain. It's still there. It's just covered over. That's all the blood of bulls and goats could do was cover over. But the blood of Jesus annihilates sin. It doesn't, it's not a paint to go over your sin. It's a blood, a bleach that completely changes every bit of it, every fragment, every, every element of your sense. Listen, like dropping a, a drop of bleach down in, or a drop of ink into a tub of bleach and you watch it and it just circles around and disappears. It goes back and gets changed in, in some other form. Are you with me? You'll never find it again. It'll never become ink again. It's gone because it's been dipped in the bleach. The same thing happens with your sins. When it's put in the bleach of the blood of Jesus Christ, it swims around and down and down and down into the depths of that blood until it's no more. You can't find a mark against you. But I got a little further to go with that. Do you realize that your sin continues to travel until it goes back on the head of your accuser? And 
one day Satan will burn in hell for your sin. Hallelujah. Amen. So they're not my sins. They are his sins. Get behind me, Satan. I'm a child of the most high God. Psalms 103 and 8. God, the Lord, is merciful and gracious and slow to anger and plenteous in mercy. He will not always chide, neither will he keep his anger forever. Come on. He hath not dealt with us after our sins, nor rewarded us according to our iniquities. For as the heaven is high above the earth, so great is his mercy toward them that fear him. So he's a God that is rich in mercy. How much mercy? As high as the heaven is from the earth. It just keeps on going. Amen. There's no stopping place. His his mercy is so high. This is why after the seals, Brother Branham could preach, God is rich in mercy. Amen. The open book didn't give us less mercy. It gave us more mercy. The opening of the book, the taking off the seals, there is mercy for souls under the altar. Under the fifth seal. Jews who died not knowing Jesus. There's mercy for the church who accepted Christ but missed the rapture and and are found in the tribulation period. There's mercy for the 144,000 after the bride is raptured. You see, there's mercy, 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 mercy. Mercy for the bride. Mercy for the foolish virgins. Mercy. For the 144,000, the leftover of the Jews. Mercy for those down through the ages that didn't get a chance to know. God's rich in mercy. Are you with me now? So you see, he hath not dealt with us according to our sins, nor rewarded us according to our iniquities. But as heaven is high above the earth, so great is his mercy toward them that reverence him. Amen. Now, so... In all of this, and, the, and so because of this mercy, he raptures a bride. We are going to be raptured because of the grace and the mercies of Almighty God. Micah chapter 7, verse 19. He will turn again and have compassion upon us. He will subdue our iniquities, and thou will cast all us. And thou wilt cast all their sins into the depth of the sea. Amen. So he will have compassion on you. This is a God who's a compassionate God. A God that is full of mercy. A God that says to the, to the, the lowest sinner. To the person closest to hell. Amen, that, 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 that was, I'm not going to reward you according to your works. I'm going to reward you according to my mercy. Amen, I'll turn again. I'll have compassion on you. I'll, you know, he'll subdue our iniquities and he will cast all our sins into the depth of the sea. Verse 12 of Psalms 103 said, as far as the east is from the west, so he has removed our transgressions from us. So this is God, as far as the east is from the west. 
Like as a father pitieth his children. He does this as a father. Like a father feels sorry for his children. So the Lord pitieth them that reverences him. Psalms 103 and verse 13, or verse 14, for he knoweth our frame. He remembereth that we are dust. So he remembers, he understands our humanity. I said he understands our humanity, that we're just human. And as humans, we bumble, we make mistakes. We do things, some things we didn't want to do. We get trapped. We get disillusioned. We have problems. But he knoweth our frame. And he remembers their dust. They're human. And as a man, as for man his days are his grass, as a flower of the field, so he flourishes. For the wind passes over it and is gone, and the place thereof shall know it no more, and that's our humanity. Amen. We're only here for a blip in time. You look out on the earth, you know, and a person now gone, and, but things that they touched, the trees that they looked at, the roads that they traveled, they're all still here, that's right. but they're gone. <laughs> You're only here for a moment. Every one of you have a terminal disease. You're going to die. Say, the doctor told me I'm going to die. You're going to die. Doctor didn't have to tell you that. You might be dying sooner than others, but you're going to die. All of us are going to come to that place unless God interrupts it. By resurrection and rapture. But otherwise, we'll all go down into dust. We're only here for a moment. But it's what we do in that moment that counts. Because it's only here that you can make your decision to serve Jesus Christ. When man, his days are grass, as a flower in the field, he flourishes, he comes up and he blooms for a while and he wilts. Goes down, the wind passes over it, blows it away. The place where it was, not even known anymore. But not the mercies of God. But the mercies of the Lord is from everlasting to everlasting upon them that reverence him and his righteousness unto his children's children. To keep, to such as keep his covenant and those who remember his commandments to do them. Let's go along to Jeremiah 31, 34. And they shall teach no man ever, shall no more teach every man his neighbor and every man his brother, saying, Know the Lord, for they shall all know me from the least unto the greatest of them, saith the Lord, for I will forgive their iniquity and I will remember their sins no more. So not only are they cast in the sea, he doesn't remember them. So in your fellowship and walk with him, He is not reminding you of your past. If you're being reminded of your past, it's your adversary who is the accuser of the brethren. 
This mercy and forgiveness is given to us by grace. Now, in the days of Luther, the church, the Catholic church, they taught forgiveness of sins on the basis of works. And this, this is where the confusion is. You know, this is where I've come down with these scriptures. But I want you to understand, the people in that day didn't have a Bible. So they could just be told whatever the priest said. And whatever edict the Pope passed. The Bible calls her very distinctly. She is a whore and she's got daughters. In the book of Revelation, she's called that. She's a mother whore. She calls herself the mother church. She is a mother. She's got daughters. Denominations. And as a horse, she's one that's not true to her husband. So she wasn't true to her husband. In fact, she changed her husband to suit herself. So she made him into some kind of namby-pamby son who had to be obedient to his mother. So you pray to mama to get her, the, the son to be moved in the heart of Jesus with mercy towards you. And if you didn't pray to Mary, then you wasn't going to make it to heaven. And they required you then to say so many Hail Marys. You see, when we preach about denominations, and you, you, it's kind of like having a, 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 these offsprings of slaves that are here, and they were former slaves. And be honest with you, at some time in our life, we were all former slaves, whether you're white or black. The Irish were slaves and enslaved, and the English would get enslaved. And man's done this. It's a sin. But you know, I, I honestly don't remember. I, I, you know, I'm part Irish, but I don't remember a thing. I don't know a thing. I never experienced a thing my forefathers experienced. You know, you, you that are, are black here in this church today, you don't know a thing of what they did or what they experienced. You never had a slave belt on you. And there's many of you sitting here, you never knew what it was to be under the slave belt of denominations, upon the rule of man. You don't know what it meant to be beat and whipped and misled and misguided. So you don't, when we talk about liberty, you're not understanding what the liberty we had and why we enjoy that liberty and why we talk about it. But we're just trying to pass it on. Don't ever become a slave again. We're trying to say to our children, enjoy your freedom. It was paid for. We fought for it. I know white men did awful things to the black race here in America, but white men also fought to liberate them. In the days of Luther, the church, the Catholic church, taught forgiveness of sins on the basis of works, of penance for sins. They required you to say numerous Hail Marys, asking Mary to petition Jesus for sin. Forgive sins. Money would be required for prayers to pay your loved ones out of purgatory. You, you know, it wasn't enough 
to, for, to pay, you know, for you have to do penance and pay money and burn candles and buy candles and whatever to pay for your, to say prayers for your sin. That wasn't enough. They made it word that when your loved ones died, you had to pay for them too. The Catholic Encyclopedia talks of purgatory as a place or condition of temporal punishment for those who, when departing this life in, God, in God's grace, are not entirely free from venial faults or have not fully paid the satisfaction due to their transgression. And to summarize in Catholic theology, purgatory is a place that a Christian soul goes to after death to be cleansed of the sins that have not been fully satisfied during life. So again, you know, a lot of people aren't Catholics, but they're still Catholics. They're still trying to pay for their sins. And not only that, they're trying to make somebody else pay for their sins. Amen. They, they, want to, they want to make sure whoever wounded them or hurt them pays for it. And they become like the servant who was forgiven uh, of a huge amount. And then found, then that same servant comes along and he finds somebody that just owed him pennies and he, and he put him in jail, had him beat and put in jail until he paid the last penny. And then the report comes back to, to, to the Lord over him and he says, you know, you were not, you, you did not give forgiveness. You received forgiveness. I gave you great forgiveness, but you won't forgive this other person. I'll tell you, nobody should ever want somebody to go to hell. There should never be one. I would never say I want to meet you in judgment someday. I hope I'd never meet you in judgment. I don't want to see nobody lost. God forgave me so much. I want to be able to forgive others. Because as the very Lord's prayer is, if you cannot forgive others of their trespasses, you cannot be forgiven either. So do you realize when you hold somebody captive with with some accusation or hurt or problem or or debt that they owe you, they, they owe me a debt. They should pay for this. They must pay for this. They owe me a debt. I say, God so willingly and amazingly forgave you. Why won't you offer that same peace and pardon to somebody else? The Bible said, Jesus said, if you won't forgive others, neither will the heavenly Father forgive you of your trespasses. Say, this is too simple, Brother Tim. I can't preach over your head. But why do I want to speak in tongues to you? And I can come right down to where you need to deal with some things. And some of you need to forgive things in your marriage. Some of you children need to forgive your parents. And vice versa. Some of you friends need to forgive one another. Because you're only hurting yourself. Purgatory was a place where the dead souls hung over the fires of hell and you were punished till you got out. Till somebody paid enough money to say enough prayers to pray you out. 
till he finally satisfied the coffers of the church. I've been overseas. I've been a lot of places overseas. I've been to the old, old Mexico City. I watched them where the earthquake even took out one of their churches and cracked it up and then they had to build another. And I watched women and men on their hands and knees climbing the steps, saying the rosaries. And I mean climbing the steps by crawling on their hands and knees and crying and praying Hail Marys on every step until they finally get to the top of it, trying to get forgiveness. The Bible said in 1 John chapter 2, verse 2, he is the perpetuation. That means he is the atoning sacrifice for our sins. How many can say amen? Amen. But not for ours only, but for the sins of the whole world. And that includes everybody. Even the people you don't like. Hallelujah. He died in our place. That's what it really means. He's the atoning sacrifice. He died in our place to take away our sins. Now Luther caught a revelation of this. And in the church, he had been trying to do penance. He said his Hail Marys. He crawled on his knees. He beat himself for his sins. But one day he got to looking in the Bible. Now, the Bible, everybody couldn't read it. Luther could read Latin. It had been translated from Greek into Latin. So he can read it. Not everybody's got a copy. Hold your Bible up for a moment. This Bible was paid for in blood. It did not come free. Men died. For you to have this Bible. Respect it. Honor it. And by all means read it. And live it. Men were burned at the stake. For the crime. Of publishing the Bible. In fact the matter is. Just in China. We just had some of our brothers released. For passing out uh, King James Bibles. In prison, incarcerated for years. For the crime of sharing a Bible. Don't take for granted your freedoms. Luther caught a revelation of this, as I said, and he looked in the Bible. You know, he was a priest, so he had access in the monastery to a Bible and he read a Bible and the Bible said in Romans 1 16 for I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ for it is the power of God and the salvation to everyone that believeth to the Jew first and also the Greek for therein is the righteousness of God revealed from faith to faith as it is written the just or the righteous shall live by its faith And Luther got a revelation. 
Now this is a station, this is where Abraham came. He, he came to his first place of, of, of justification where he, he was, got a divine call. He wasn't worthy, he, it wasn't that he was good, it was this God called him. Amen. And this is what Luther realized. It ain't because I've done good. It wasn't because my family was better than others. It wasn't because I've done all these Hail Marys or I crawled on my hands and knees and I beat myself and, and, and I hung on a cross and was crucified. Yeah, they would do that kind of thing too, that where they would actually be impaled and do things to, 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 get, get, to get retribution for their sins. Sins that Jesus Christ freely paid for once and for all. Now the church was charging. And you couldn't ever pay enough. So when you died, you went to a place of purgatory to be punished more. You couldn't go to heaven because you're not righteous enough until your sins are paid for. Widows would have to sell their cows, their only means of giving milk to their family. They'd have to hawk the farm. They'd have to do everything to be able to pay for their loved one's sins. They knew his mistakes. But Luther gets a revelation the just, the righteous, shall live. Not by my works, but by my faith. It's by my faith that frees me from sin. Not by my works, not the penance, not by help marriage, not all, none of that. My faith. And this is a foundation where the Lutherans, the Baptists, and, and even we rest our faith. Not just Luther, not just Baptist. We rest our faith right here that we're righteous by faith not by works the righteous live and we live because of our faith not our works so it's plain in the bible and you say brother tim you know that's so plain in the bible why was that truth lost from the church why why didn't everybody see that why did luther have to point that out as i said nobody had a bible Light had never shown on that. It was like a fledgling little plant that was there and these truths are in it and it comes about into the sunlight. Oh. Now it's not a wheat seed yet. It's not a grain. It's just a a little blade. And, And if that's where you're at, you haven't arrived. If God's forgiven you of your sins, I'm happy. I rejoice. We got a crop of wheat. Not yet. So the Bibles were hid in postures of Rome and written in Greek, translated to Latin. How many of you can read Greek here this morning? No takers. Well, Greek Bible wouldn't do you much good, would it? How many of you can read Latin? Well, Latin Bible wouldn't do you much good either, would it? But Luther could read what the Pope didn't want him to read. And Luther believed it. And Luther began to preach it. 
And Brother Martin Luther, you know, he was a German, so he had it translated into the German language. And at that very time, God would use the knowledge of man, and the Gutenberg Press was invented, and now they can mass produce a Bible. And now there, there would be not just one Bible, but now there's thousands, there's thousands of Bibles. And you know what? But Luther was threatened with death. Furthermore, thousands died and were punished for believing that God forgives sins without the need of a priest. That there is no intercessor between God and man, but the man Christ Jesus. That was written in the Bible, but they didn't have a Bible. So they made man their intercessor and the priest became their mediator and the priest could forgive sins. When Jesus is the only one who can forgive sins. And only in his blood have we redemption. And it's not our works. But you see, they persevered and like a fledging leaf, a wheat plant, a sprout out of the grain, the plant began to spread its branches. And there were Baptists during that time. They too, and this is what their churches are built on. When you go to a Baptist church, it's always by faith, by faith. Our sins are forgiven by faith. You see, and so the, the, the Baptists, you know, saw that you, you were to be baptized as an adult because all of them had been baptized in the Roman Catholic Church by, by being sprinkled on as a child with some holy water. And they saw that they, they became what's known as rebaptizers. And as a rebaptizer, here they come rebaptizing them now as adults when they could, could call upon the Lord, washing away their sins. When they were of age, knowing that they had done wrong. Because as a little child, you know, they hadn't done anything wrong yet as an infant. And so they began to. To preach, you've got to be baptized. And you've got to be immersed. And they saw in the Bible where that they came up out of the water and, and where there was much water where they were baptized and all these other things. And they realized that, you know, if you're going to, if you're going to bury a man and the old man and his sins that were buried with him in baptism, well, you don't sprinkle a little dirt on him. You, you put him down under because it types the death and the burial and the resurrection. Amen. Amen. Now, so, so again, this, this was their beliefs. This is what, what they took the name Baptist was because they were rebaptizers. And, and so thousands of were murdered and killed for the simple faith of being a mercy of water calling on his name. Now it was the truth, but it wasn't all the truth. And then finally there was enough believers until King James of England believed and had enough scholars to translate the Bible carefully. And now you've got the King James Bible into English. Yes. Translated from the, from the original Greek. They, again, but this man, Martin Luther, he saw the pillar of fire and, and away he went, just like Abraham is called of God and he's led now a little deeper. And, and so he saw that the just shall live by faith. This emboldened him to resist the church. So they protested the church. That's why there were, that there's Catholics and Protestants. 
Protestants protest Rome and her tyranny. And so again, you know, they become called Protestants. And he began to preach the just shall live by faith. And he resisted the Catholic Church and he nailed his 95th thesis to the door of the church there. And it was in Germany and he said, salvation is by faith alone. The Bible is the only authority. And he began to preach the priesthood of every believer. But it wasn't long until his followers camped down there. You see, it was an altar built, but they camped down there and wouldn't go any further. And there sets a big organization. A big, you know, it's kind of like when you go to the Holy Land today over to, to Israel. Well, everywhere there was an event is a big church. A morgue. Big old building. Hanging over. You know, they had one place they called it the birthplace of Christ, where Christ was born in a tomb. Well, we had to wait for an hour to get down there because there was a bunch of priests that went down in there first ahead of us, mourning and chanting and crying and whatever else, because this was the birthplace of Jesus. And they built this big shrine over it. Well, this is what Luther did. He built a shrine over his revelation. And so they began to, they organized and God left them there. I want you to understand, God just left them there. You see, the pillar of fire moves on. He don't stay in one place. He's leading you into the promised land. Here is the land. Walk you in it. And so he would go, and then what happened? God called a man by the name of John Wesley. And he saw it, and away he went. And he had a revival, and that saved England, United States. John Wesley came here, preached up and down on the, up on the was going to convert the Indians. And he goes back and he said, I went over there to convert the enemy, Indi- Indians, not enemies, the Indians. And he says, I was not even converted. Who's going to convert me? And there he went back and began to look at the word of God and said, God, there's got to be more. I've got to have more than what I got. I've been forgiven. I have been pardoned. I have been saved from my sin, but I can't live a holy life. There's got to be more than that. I've got to have a holy life. I'm not living it, Lord. I'm not, I don't have the, I'm not able to live it. And he went back, and there he advanced further. You see, seed of Abraham, he's discovering the land because there's more than justification in the land. There is sanctification. So there would be Wesley, George Whitefield, and Asbury, many of them that had a great revival. And that, that revival inspired new songs. And as they sung their songs of deliverance, Charles Wesley would write thousands upon thousands of songs. What about the blood? The cleansing power. The holiness that it brings. And this is where the church was brought to another junction. And that junction was sanctification. Now, remember, God had told him these things, and he he brings him to a place where he's going to sanctify him through the blood. 
And I, I could go a long time in that, but I, I'm running out of time this morning. As I said, I'm not going to be able to get back to it or get all to it. But it just shows that the wheat plant's moving back to the grain again. And Wesley becomes a tassel. He becomes a missionary age. And, and, and there's a missionary sent out everywhere. And, and the world gets, gets uh, turned on his ear, just so to speak. And he saw the need that he saw believers were forgiven of sins. But that these sinners still needed cleansing by the blood. And what was missing was a holy life. Now, he saw there was no fruit. Christians were forgiven of sins, still living dirty lives. So let's go to Hebrews chapter 12, verse 14, and I'm going, to close, I'm going to close there. We'll reach El Shaddai, and I'll close. And I'm not going to discover all that is there. We'll just call that part two. But he goes into Hebrews chapter 12, verse 14, and, and, and Wesley sees, follow peace with all men and holiness, without which no man will see the Lord. So he began to see, if we're not holy, if we don't have some holiness, if we don't have holy works, the manifestations of this forgiveness, well then we'll never see the Lord. So he began to preach, we gotta have a sanctified life. Now the way they got the name Methodist was this. The name was because John had certain methods of, of getting holy. In other words, he would pray so long. He would read so much in the Bible. He would witness so much. He would do this. He had different things. It was methods whereby uh, through works that he was doing things, exhibiting and working as a Christian and a Christian life. So, you know, but again, he saw this revelation Again, without holiness, no man will see the Lord. We've been forgiven our sin, but if we want to see God, we're going to have to have a holy life. So in Romans chapter 6, verse 22, and now being made free from sin, that's justification, and become servants to God, that's justification, you have your fruit unto holiness and the end everlasting life. So he said, you may have been made free from sin, but you've got to have the fruit of holiness. A second Corinthians chapter 7 verse 1. Having therefore these promises, dearly beloved, let us cleanse ourselves from all filthiness of the flesh and spirit, perfecting holiness in the fear of God. So again, he sees another scripture. We, we've got to apply the word and the grace that is given to our lives. We can't just say God forgave us of our sins and we're still smoking and drinking and lusting and, and adulterizing. We've got to be sanctified. There's got to be an application of this word to our lives. So he, he would say, so again, in um, 1 Peter 1.15, but he that has called you is holy, so be you holy in all manner of conversation. Amen. Now that, that means manner of life. In all your ways of life, be holy. Because it is written, be holy, for I am holy. Amen. So you see, it was on these scriptures that he would build an altar. Right. And he would find a well. Amen. And it would be a well of life. But it wasn't the original grain. It was, it was the stage of the journey. 
So again, when those early Methodists were sanctified, I just want to cover some of this for a minute. You just have to bear with me. You know, when the early Methodists were sanctified, it was an experience. I said it was an experience. They shouted. They danced. As they rejoiced, some passed out. Others shook. They were called Quakers on account of it. They'd get under the spirit, under the waters of life, and they would shake in the spirit. And they lived holy lives. They practiced living right, living clean. Tobacco was gone from them. Alcohol gone from them. You know, adultery gone from them. Gone, gone was Luther and his beers. You, you see what I'm saying? I mean, here, here again, we, we, we move, we've advanced. And, and, and let me tell you, John Wesley, in his journal, he defended this very emotional outburst at the second blessing. This is what it was called. You were blessed first, like faithful Abraham, you were blessed at justification, but here's the second blessing. And this second blessing, God will sanctify you. And when it does, it's the Spirit of God kept up on you, cleansing you. John Wesley defended this emotional outburst that they would get. This is from his journal. I want you to listen to it. The danger, wrote Wesley, talking of outcries and convulsions and dancing, visions and trances and the like. He says the danger was to regard them too little, to condemn them altogether, to imagine they had nothing of God in them and were a hindrance to his work. Whereas the truth is, God suddenly and strongly convinced many that they were lost sinners, the natural consequences whereof they had sudden outcries and strong bodily convulsions. Two, to strengthen and encourage them that believe, to make his work more apparent. He favored several of them with divine dreams and others with trances and visions. And three, which I don't quite comprehend this, and maybe some of you might, but he said in some of these instances, as a time, nature mixed with grace. I don't know what that means. Number four, Satan likewise mimicked this work of God in order to discredit the whole work. And yet it is not wise to give up part any more than to give up the whole. As far as, at at first it was doubtless holy from God. It was partly so at this day. It is partly so at this day and he will enable us to discern how far in every case the work is pure and where it mixes or degenerates. The shadow is no disparagement of the substance nor the counterfeit of the real diamond. This is Wesley's notes. Amen. He realized, yeah, there's being impersonations but that don't take away from the real amen now remember I told you last uh, last April of Buddy Robinson's conversion and he was he he again was a Methodist I think he actually gravitated to the Nazarene a little a little later they were kind of twins they were very similar beliefs like some of your Pentecostals uh, and uh, you know will have similar beliefs with others And he said, I believe that getting religion is the finest thing in the known world. 
after I hopped, skipped, and jumped, and shouted in the midnight, I would jump the mourner's bench from one side to the other, all the time telling the people I'd got religion. Well, thank the Lord, I'd got religion, sure enough, and it seemed like religion had got me. After shouting until about midnight, I went down to the ravine and threw my revolver away. I kindled a little chunk fire and burnt my deck of cards. Then I crawled under an ox wagon and laid down on the bare ground and placed my hat on a chunk for a pillow. I did not go to sleep, for sleep had left the country. I laid there and laughed like a boy at a circus. I was almost tickled to death, every burden gone, my guilt gone, all sorrow, sadness gone. I forgot I'd lived in poverty. I thought I was dressed like the angels. While my heart was turning somersaults, I was laughing like a boy at a circus. I was one boy that kept company with his religion the very first night that he got it. I felt that night as though I would never be sick, sad, lonesome, hungry, or in trouble. It seemed to me that heaven was three feet away. You can't say those experiences wasn't real. God met Abraham at every every station. At every station the church is built. God met them there. But they built an altar there and stayed. And then he was led to El Shaddai. And that's still the place. I don't care what message theologians will tell you. That's still the place we're at today. Because we will nurse on El Shaddai till our bodies are changed. And El Shaddai is the baptism of the Holy Ghost that you need to keep nursing from. Let the musicians come now. I have went through this very slowly, very methodically, very carefully, trying to let you see the progress to where we're at. You say, Brother Tim, we're we're up to Elohim, where the, the hearts are discerned. That's true. But that's just another unfolding of El Shaddai. And our hearts have been discerned. And a message for the body change has come. But we nurse on El Shaddai until our bodies are changed. I want more of you. That's the way it's got to be. Wherever you are in your walk, maybe you ain't even started. Maybe you hadn't taken the first step. Maybe you just took the first step. You just, maybe it was a baby step. Maybe you took the first drink from El Shaddai of the revealed word coming from both testaments the unsealed book 
And I'm just going to jump ahead just for a moment. I know a lot of people think Pentecost, the Azusa movement, came to El Shaddai. They did. But they refused the breast of the Word of God and grabbed the breast of denomination that they come off of. But there's a real seed that's going to nurse on the breast. They're going to nurse on these promises. You, if you're sick today, you can nurse healing. If you got a need in your life, you can nurse from the promises of the Word of God. They're open, they're revealed. One of the greatest sins there is, is the sin to not progress. Some of you maybe accepted the Lord 30, 40 years ago, and you never progress from there. You never moved. You never moved into a holy life, into where sin was dealt with. Where the cleansing fire of God comes and purges. You never moved. You've never moved from there. Some of you are not advancing. And it's time to advance. The bombs are falling already. Wars are already here. Trouble is already in the land. Our nation has turned its back on God. And now is not speaking as a lamb with freedom of religion. But now they're demanding freedom from religion. The wars that were fought in the 1700s to make this a free nation will not save us now. Civilization is getting worse and worse. Sin is heaping up. The fire is about to fall. We've already seen the vision. Taxis are now bustling down the streets of San Francisco, L.A. without a driver. You know what I'm talking about. The seven continuous visions. A woman's already been elected as vice president. Who knows what will happen from here. Look where we're at. The next things is bombs, smoke, and craters all over the land of America. You cannot stay where you're at. None of you. None of you. You cannot stay where you're at. You've got to progress. God's calling you further. God's calling you for a deeper walk, a more consecrated life, to another, to a real prayer life. God's calling you to higher grounds. Hear his call. Hear his call. 
to sin is not to progress. I want more of you. That's the way it's got to be. I want more. Down in my notes this week. 
everything in my life. I need a touch from you. I need more. Amen. He hears the humble heart cry. He's near those of a broken and a contrite spirit. He's there to pick up the wounded heart, the broken. One that said, I, I need a satisfaction. I need, I need a reality of the Holy Spirit in my life. I want it for I've had a lot of wasted hours. But I want to be yours now. Will be yours now. Let's talk to the finish. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Oh, Jesus. Father, you see these kneeling around the altar, standing around the altar today. They see the need in their lives to make progress. I pray, God, in the name of Jesus, that you'll grant it. Lord, that you'll deal with the hearts, Father. Name, I just ask that you would do it. Lord, they've been brought to stations in life. They've enjoyed places. Some places they enjoyed so much they stayed too long. Lord, they built a camp there. They just camped down. They put the roots down too far. They moved on as the pillar of fire moved and they realized they need a greater experience with you. I pray that you'll do it, Lord. In the name of Jesus Christ, children and Father, amen and amen. Take us, Lord. Take us. Take us, Lord. Take us in your image, Father. Thank you, Jesus. Make us in your image. Take sin and darkness from us. Take everything that ain't pure, ain't holy. Take it out of our lives, let us be consecrated to you now in Jesus' name. Amen. Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus.
wanted to come, I, I, I wanted to come like John Wesley was talking about sanctification. They did I would dare I could have it with the Holy Ghost. I wanted there like like the have with, with Buddy Robinson. He said, I, I got religion and religion got me. Oh, that's what we want tonight today. To know him in the power of his resurrection. To see him work in his power. To see him work in his grace and his glory. Amen. To see your life dedicated, consecrated before the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Just call on his name right now. Just call on his name. Just ask him, Lord, save me. Save me. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Oh, work among them for just a minute, Timothy. Work among them. Sam, lead us in a couple of songs there. We're just going to pray with the different ones as we feel led. We may not get to every person, but Jesus knows who you are. He's here to minister to you in a personal way. Amen. Any of you deacons that can come forward and help me pray around the altar, just come right now. Maybe there's somebody in the seat next to you. You just want to reach over to them and pray with them right now. Maybe there's a friend down here at the altar that you know needs to touch from God. You want to touch God for them. Amen. What a wonderful song to be singing, Mercy. Mercy, I preached about that mercy this morning. His mercy. You remove your sins as far as the east is from the west. The Bible said, though your sins were like scarlet, I'll make them white as snow. Though they were red like crimson, they shall be white as wool. Amen. This is the God, the God who keeps covenant. Call on the name of the Lord right now. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord, for reworking lives, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord. Oh, God. I should have
So I'll just tell you why Because my sins are gone And when I meet the scholar Who asks me where they were And I say, well, my sins are gone And they're on the blood of the cross of Calvary As far removed as darkness is Self included, amen. Try to keep them away from the construction site out there. We would appreciate it, amen. Just looking at, at all the different uh, religions that Brother Tim went through today, it just reminded me of that song. Give me that old time religion, it's good enough for me, amen. Is it good enough for you, man? You don't want to crawl up the stairs on your hands and knees, do you, amen? Aren't you glad you've accepted the blood that was paid for you? Amen. Let's just sing that as we go. Oh, give me that old time religion. Give me that old time religion. Give me that old time religion. It's good enough for me. Give me that old time religion. Give me that old time religion. Old time religion. It's good enough for me. It will make you stop your life. It will save you. It will start the devil 